the podcast where two friends dive into the world of romance literature in order to find each other's and your next great lay I mean read <laughs> we'll explore it all classic bodice ripping historical romance provocative political thrillers sexy sci-fi and everything in between every week we'll each cover one story no spoilers we'll share our favorite moments which of your favorite tropes to expect and rate its readability how hot it is and how romantic it is We'll let you know if a book passes the vibe check, share any content warnings to watch out for, and most importantly, is it even good? I'm Lauren. And I'm Kendra. Now let the erotic nonsense begin. Hi! Hi! How are you? I'm good! I'm very excited for Christmas. Oh, me too, me too. I am excited to be recording again. It's funny because we haven't recorded in a little while, but we did see each other last night. Yes. So. <laughs> yes, and many, many times since the last time yeah, we recorded. also true. Especially because we had like episodes banked, so like right. it's been a lot longer it's since we recorded yeah. than, yeah, since like the last episode came out, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, I'm like mildly rusty. <laughs> I know, I, I know, yeah. Work on my radio voice <laughs> yes nighttime radio dj voice right um yeah so but i'm excited i was very excited to have an excuse to read like a christmas mm-hmm. romance yep, which same. i normally would not touch i'm oh, like that's too yeah. cheesy for yes. me <laughs> um and mine is incredibly cheesy but same yeah <laughs> so that was fun but yeah i just i like unabashedly love this time of year mm-hmm. so i mm-hmm. and we kind of went all out on like the lights Mm-hmm. And the giant yes. Christmas tree. Yes, I saw um, them driving out. They yes. look great. <laughs> and I'm on day nine of a 10-day vacation. So, like, even I'm taking my vacation, like, pre-Christmas. Oh, God. Um, and I'm so relaxed. Like, I just have never been so relaxed. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I great. did have today off. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a day off with daycare. So right. I still had to get up and drop Maggie yeah. off. But which like is exhausting in its way, but so you don't get to like sleep in and like fully relax. But yeah, having the house to yourself. Oh yeah, and not have yeah, it was amazing. It's unreal. We would get it so rarely when Mm -hmm. you're parents. It's very rare. Yeah, Um, that was exciting. Yeah. Um, Well, I have one non-romance to talk about. Ooh, Um, yeah. What did you read in the meantime? So I read. It was called For the Wolf by Hannah Witten. Oh, my God. I have that. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah I've been waiting gonna, to read it. I, like, pulled up the image for you because um, mm. I really loved the cover. It was mm-hmm. another that was like, ooh. And it was actually pretty highly recommended. Um, I guess maybe if you're going to read it, maybe I won't say too much. Don't spoil it for me. No spoilers. I, I know a little um, bit about, like, what it's about. I almost picked it up a couple weeks back, and then I picked up something else instead. But okay. um, I definitely just bought it on a whim at the bookstore because yeah. I liked the cover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, it uh, started out real strong. I really loved the premise. The ending fell a little flat for Damn me. It. Um, it, yeah, it was one of those like 
complicated world building that started out great, but Mm -hmm. then it like, it just got a little too complicated. And instead of like answering some of the questions and like building a foundation, like framework for this magical world, it kind Mm -hmm. of just like got more and more complicated and like didn't explain things. Um, did you so, read? I will read the next one though, because it's okay because it, it's a trilogy. Yeah, planned or trilogy or planned multiple. Anyway. Multiple, yeah. The second one isn't out yet. Yeah, I think this one like actually just came out. I think it came out over the summer. Yeah. Um, did you read From Blood and Ash by uh, Jennifer Jennifer L. Armentrout? It's like another big one. Like. Um, <laughs> That just sounds so similar to Shadow and Bone that I'm like, wait, did right? I? But no, no I don't think it's I not. Did. It's and it's like it's way more like a Court of Thorns and Roses. It's like new adult. Okay, There's definitely like hella sex in it. Um, but the world building is just like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed it. Like, I like uh-huh. I love fantasy romance, uh-huh. so I definitely still enjoyed it. And the sex is hot, if problematic. But uh, the world building is just like such garbage. Like it makes no sense, and it just mm-hmm. keeps building and building, and everything is just like totally convenient. And, yeah, like, contrived and yeah. Okay, well that sounds kind of similar to this, but this one is very young adulty. Like there's no, there's like no strong graphic. like there's like romance, but no strong. Mm. Yeah, there's references to it, but yeah. So I don't know. It was so, like, it was such a good setup though, and like I was like riveted, like I was yeah it couldn't Paige put it Turner. down yeah yeah it just like the well, end was like I love that I love but, plot, plot, yeah. Plot, plot yeah 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 I mean I'm like I I maybe they'll like wrap it up better in the second one you know it's like yeah. one of those where it could be yeah. they could bring it back but anyway mm. did you have any no I haven't done any reading. um like while i've been on vacation or anything except for this one Mm. book that i read for tonight so um it's been very relaxing i have been like watching tons of bake-off we went through the Mm. entire catalog in like the last month (laughs) um and just like knitting and relaxing it's been nice to like turn my brain off a little bit um but i am excited to start reading again and i'm gonna i just started iron widow um which i'm very excited to read Mm -hmm. before we get back into like season two of the podcast and i'm like romance only for a a few weeks yeah so um okay yeah all right well should we get into it yeah let's do it all right should we take a quick break yes all right so we're back. I'm first tonight. Yes. So why don't we talk about our themed drink? Yes. So what are we sipping? tonight's drink is called You Can't Pop My Cherry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so this is a whiskey and maraschino liqueur drink. So it's whiskey, um, Luxardo, maraschino liqueur, lemon juice, simple syrup, and a little bit of Luxardo cherry syrup, which is so good very festive um it is very festive and wintry and so we shake that all up serve it in a coop and we'll get into (laughs) why it's called that later um so what i read for our christmas special is a wallflower christmas Mm. so i mean i definitely when i was like perusing for a christmas themed book it's very much like they're rarely standalones, you know? They're usually, like, a Christmas mm-hmm. version of, like, a little group of mm-hmm. these. Yeah. Um, so I, one of my favorite books that we read in season one was Devil in Winter, mm-hmm. which was this, like, from the same okay, um, yeah. group of books, the Wallflower series by Lisa um, Claypass. 
And I loved that one. It was like <laughs> such mm-hmm. a good time. So I thought, okay, well, this this sounds like fun. I haven't read any of the other Wallflower ones. So there's three other main books. Um, and this is definitely like a novella. It's you know? such a cute little size. I know. <laughs> and I literally read it in like two and a half hours. Amazing. So it's like 200 pages. <laughs> you know, it's it's barely there. Um, but I, I did enjoy it. So um, why don't we start off with the back of book? Great. Uh, okay. New York Times bestselling author Lisa Claypass invites you to spend the holidays with the Wallflowers, four young London ladies who finally found the men of their dreams and will join together once more to help the world's most notorious rogue meet his match. <laughs> Rafe Bowman has just arrived from America for his arranged meeting with Natalie, the very proper and beautiful daughter of Lady and Lord Blandford. His chiseled good looks and imposing physique are sure to impress the lady-in-waiting, and if it weren't for his shocking American ways, wild reputation, and wild reputation, her hand would already be guaranteed. Before the courtship can begin, Rafe realizes he must learn the rules of London society, but when four former wallflowers try their hand at matchmaking, no one knows what will happen. Winning a bride turns out to be more complicated than Rafe Bowman had anticipated, especially for a man accustomed to getting anything he wants. However, Christmas works in the most unexpected ways, changing a cynic to a romantic and inspiring passion in the most timid of hearts. Oh. I mean, wasn't the <laughs> character from Devil in Winter also like a rake? Like yes. A, okay. Which is my favorite. <laughs> right. That's my favorite character. Uh, my favorite male lead is definitely like a rogue type. Um, and so, which is why I was like, had high hopes for this. Um, and while I enjoyed it, I don't know that I would say my high hopes were met. Mm. So anyway. <laughs> Um, and actually, the female love interest, like the main character in this one, isn't even mentioned in this back of book. Oh, of course <laughs> Back not. of book is not just nonsense. No. <laughs> um, so, okay. So cast. Um, <laughs> what I wrote here first was, doesn't matter because neither of them have discernible personalities. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not totally fair. I actually, like, the more I sat and thought about this book, the more I realized that I did enjoy it. Um, but so I did actually cast it. So okay. I have Felicity Jones as Hannah, okay. um, who is the actual uh, female lead okay. in this one. Um, and so Felicity Jones is in a bunch of, like, highbrow movies. She's an English actress with, like, dark hair. and um, Oh, she was in Rogue One. She played the main character in oh, Rogue One. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, um, I know who that is. Yeah. And then, so um, Rafe, the male love interest in this one, is American. And, you know, everyone else is British. And so I wanted someone who was like, obnoxiously American <laughs> like so like so American like just truly like an all-American guy in a way that is both like obnoxious and hot uh-huh. so I have Josh Holloway who played Sawyer on Lost yes yes <laughs> um also a little bit of that like rogue, rogue personality yeah. and just like sparkling charm um obviously no good <laughs> anyway <laughs> my favorite type um so okay Main tropes, just virgin and rake. I mean, obviously, it's a historical romance, but it's like, it's so, it's so the same as everything else. Like, there's just nothing that special about mm. this one. Um, so, okay, overall thoughts. Um, so, like, honestly, this book went by so fast. Like I said, it's just under 200 pages that I, like, barely had time to form an opinion on it or, like, <laughs> feel anything about the characters. Um, and it definitely has some of those, like, historical romance issues, you mm-hmm, know? Like, mm-hmm. 
consent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never met her. Um, right. And I'm just generally not a big fan of like virgin and rake stories usually. Um, I mean, I love a good rake, but I don't like a power imbalance mm-hmm. and I don't like virgin stories typically. Um that said, yeah. the like, only one that I've liked was Devil in Winter mm-hmm. by Lisa Claypass. So I was like, okay, well, I'm willing yeah. to give it a shot. Um, and, like, she knows how to write some good shit. Like, uh-huh. her consent is terrible. So, like, all the trigger warnings for sexual assault um, and, like, blurred lines generally. Mm-hmm. Um, but she does write male love interests who are very interested in their, their female partner's pleasure. And ta- mm. it's, like, the scenes are realistic. Like, you know, how women uh, enjoy, like, achieve sexual pleasure is realistic. There is a lot of, like touching and foreplay and Mm -hmm. you know like oral sex and Mm -hmm. there's none of that like you know historical romance can be pretty bad about like oh they're having penetrative sex and then 30 seconds later the virgin is coming like that's not yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um and so I I appreciate all of that um but overall I just like wasn't very attached to the characters while I was reading it Mm -hmm. there really just wasn't enough time or plot to like make the happy ending feel justified you know so, like, you know, and I'm not, I don't like, like, when plots and whatever drag on, like, so long and all of the narrative tension feels like bullshit. Like, that's also annoying. Uh-huh. But this one was just, like, boom, boom, we're there. Like, it was so fast. Um, and so, you know, what I loved so much about Devil in Winter uh, was the goofy plot and the, like, fast-paced action and, like, you know, along with the steamy romance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, like, maybe if you're someone who prefers character-driven romance and isn't interested in, like, all the goofy plot shit that I love, like, maybe you would love this one, actually. It, like, really gets to the point. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and it's, I mean, it is still quite, like, witty and funny. There's, like, a whole scene with, like, a lost hair piece and a Christmas tree that's, like, actually pretty hilarious. Um... And I did enjoy the characters, like, what we mm-hmm. got of them. So for me, like, obviously I love a rake, so it's very easy to find Rafe attractive. His name even His name like is Rafe. Rafe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Because, um, like, I already know who he is going into it. There's, like, mm-hmm. a shorthand that I'm like, you already know who that character is. Um, and it's my favorite kind of dude. Um, but when I finished the book, I definitely felt like Hannah – was not very fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back, it wasn't quite as bad as I felt when I finished it. Like, she's very prim and proper. So she, Natalie is, like, who Rafe is betrothed to. Like, they have an arranged marriage, basically. And they're meeting for the first time. Hannah is her cousin, oh. who is, like, not as well off. And is basically her, like, it's companion. But it's, like, a paid position. Mm-hmm. It's, like, somewhere between friend and lady's maid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so she is, like, not supposed to be a part of any of this. Um, but, you know, he ends up falling for her instead. Because, mm-hmm. like, he meets her first. Because they're trying, like, the wallflowers, you know, who he's related to, are all, like, trying to get the scoop on Natalie. Right? Mm-hmm. So they, like, invite Hannah over and they're, like, tell us all about her. And Rafe and Hannah do have, like, pretty great chemistry in that way of, like, like she's just, like, horrified by everything he does, <laughs> yet very attracted to it, <laughs> which is, like, I do love that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she just, like, 
So she's very sheltered. Um, and it was really great to kind of like, it was fun to watch her have her eyes opened by like literally everyone around her. Like she's like walking through life thinking like that the rules are the rules and everyone's following them. Mm-hmm. And then she's like finding out that fucking nobody is following the rules. Like even her mm-hmm. cousin, who's like supposed to be marrying Rafe, it turns out, like, Hannah's supposed to be her, like, companion slash chaperone. And she's been, like, sneaking off and making with making out with dudes, like, all over every party. And is, like, laughing at Hannah for being such a prude. Anyway. So that's all, like, it's pretty fun and hilarious. And, um, yeah, I just love when, like, a main character finds their love interest's behavior both abhorrent and super hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I have down here, I'm like, am I attracted to this? No. Am I? No. Which is like my <laughs> favorite I? TikTok no. sound. <laughs> um, I don't think I'm going to drop Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, like the truncated length definitely meant that we were left with a lack of character development or deeper understanding of like why they were both willing to like totally fuck their shit up. Like they're mm-hmm. like totally screw up their lives to like you know drop the arranged marriage Mm -hmm. and be with each other not to mention they like decide to make it official at like the giant holiday party which everyone they know is attending and they like sneak off and do it in the like bachelor's cottage and i'm like literally everyone knows like his best friend comes in the morning and is like so like i guess you guys better get married because we all know (laughs) what you're doing in here (laughs) so it's like so it makes no sense you know like um anyway yeah so (laughs) you know you're not gonna get super invested in this one it is not like the most exciting or like deeply affecting romance I've ever read but it was a good time it kind of seems like a fun one to like pick up for cheap and like leave somewhere that you're staying to like save room in your bag on the way home totally put it in your little free library yeah Yeah. um and it definitely is like it's like on Christmas Eve afternoon yeah yeah it's great read it in a couple of hours with a drink Ignore your family. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And there are some some good bits. I mean, I've got some favorite Ooh, lines. I, like, had trouble wait. picking. <laughs> um, okay, so my overall ratings, readability, four. I mean, it's, like, mm-hmm. flows right along. Does it make sense? Not always. <laughs> Is it well written? Uh, it's fine. Um, hotness, three. Like, it had, you know, it's short. So, like, there's not a lot there. There isn't, like, a long, drawn-out, like, wait, you Mm -hmm. know, slow burn kind of deal. But it is, like, the scenes that are there, they're hot. Uh, Romance, too. I'm like, (laughs) I like the idea of it, but, like, there wasn't time to establish anything that felt real. So, overall, I gave it a three. It's like, it's whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, vibe check. Definitely trigger warning for lack of consent and, like, extremely blurred lines over whether everyone is all in on the Mm -hmm. sexual activity. Terrible representation, obviously. Of course. (laughs) Um, Okay. Favorite line. So I have two that I want to share. So there is a point at which they find a love letter that Rafe wrote but there, it's, he tried to burn it in the fire, and like the, a maid found it, and of he course did a brought it to Natalie. Job of yeah, it. and it's like the, there's like ten paragraphs left, like it's huge, but it doesn't say who it's for. This is like clearly, like upper class doesn't actually know how to like work the fire. right, how to do anything. <laughs> 
<laughs> can't even burn dry paper by right. himself. Um, and so, anyway, so they're not sure who it's for. So, like, uh, Nat- okay. everyone assumes it's for Natalie, right? So, like, mm. the maid brings it to Natalie. But it's obviously for Hannah. Um, so, I, I actually, like, kind of wanted to read the whole thing because it's pretty hot. <laughs> he, like, clearly, it was, like... Not so much like a letter, more like a journal entry. He was uh, like, I'm going to write down all the shit I want to do to you, and then I'm going to burn it. <laughs> anyway. Nice. nice. So I just pulled out the one little bit, which is like the least steamy bit, but is like some pretty top tier love letter writing. So this is from near the end of it. I want to talk with you forever. I remember every word you've ever said to me. If only I could visit you as a foreigner goes into a new country, learn the language of you, wander past all borders into every private and secret place. I would stay forever. I would become a citizen of you. Wow. Pretty good, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. And then I, I, because I couldn't choose, I have another couple of lines that I want to read. Okay. So this is when they, they've like met, you know, they're all, everyone's like staying at this big house, right? Mm -hmm. Like Downton Abbey style giant house. There's a Christmas party, whatever. All these different families and couples are staying. Um, And they happen to be alone while everyone else is like out at a thing that day. Okay. Um, And so (laughs) they're like, they've just been having a little encounter um, around the Christmas tree, and then they like kind of start getting into it, and um, so they're kind of making out, whatever. And anyway, so here's where we are. This is Rafe speaking. No one's here. He whispered against her prickling flesh. No one will know. Hannah, sweet love, let me touch you. Let me show you how it feels to want someone as much as I want you. And he waited for her answer. Okay, so now I'm gonna pause. The next, like, two pages are just of her having, like, a really good orgasm. Um, <laughs> but so Two the, pages of orgasm? Seriously. Like, it's all of this. Oh <laughs> um, and so the reason why this happened is because she got a marriage proposal from this, like, clerk that she works for in town. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, like, moved to be, like... Let me show you what real love is. Mm. So he says that line. Then they, like... Start having a good time, but he stops after she comes, mm-hmm. and he is like clearly about to lose control. And he's like, "I got to get out of here, or I'm gonna strip you naked and ravish you right here on this floor." Um, but so anyway, he's like getting up and getting ready to walk away, and so here's where we pick it up. Staring up at him dizzily, Hannah comprehended that the release and relief had been rather one-sided. He was dangerously aroused to the limit of his self-control. She pulled the chemise higher over her naked breasts. Rafe shook his head, still staring at her. His mouth was a grim slash. If you want Clark to do the things I just did to you, he said, then go ahead and marry him. And he left her there in the library, as if to stay there a moment longer would have resulted in disaster for them both. (laughs) So I just love that That's he was good. like, oh, you want to marry that guy? Can he do what I want to do to you? <laughs> um, anyway. So yeah, it was, pretty, it was fun. Yeah. There's some no, good parts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So. For my deep dive. Um, so I actually, this is like no shade on this book because like we We've got a virginal character, mm-hmm. and he fingers her firmly all the way to orgasm for her very first sexual encounter, which is pretty exciting. Um, and there's no mention of hymens at all. Okay. Which is great. Lots of times when you're reading any kind of like virgin and rake or any kind of virginal romance, 
they talk a lot about hymens mm-hmm. and what's happening with the hymen and mm-hmm. blood and pain mm-hmm. and whatever. Um, and so anyway, I was like impressed that they didn't say anything. But I thought for mm-hmm. my deep dive for tonight, I would talk about hymens. Oh, excellent. Um, and so there's like, there's a lot we could get into here. So I'm just going to be talking about like, basically, we're going to focus on the physiological truths about the hymen and what people with a hymen might experience. Brilliant. So we're not going to get into like how the like myth of virginity and hymens have been used historically. So good. So yeah, we'll save that for another time. Got it. Yeah. (laughs) Because that would be like such a huge, you could write a dissertation on that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So I mean, it's like still happening for sure. But anyway, so um, some sources. I used a couple of great articles from Teen Vogue, one which is like amazing. I don't know if you've ever read stuff. It's very different from how I remember teen magazines when we were teenagers. I feel like I remember hearing that it was like surprisingly well done or Mm -hmm. something. Yeah. So Couple good articles from there. One titled "Breaking the Hymen: Nine Facts About Hymens and the Concept of Virginity" um, by Cheryl Wishover, and another titled "Losing Your Virginity: Real Talk About What Happens the First Time You Have Sex" by Caitlin Menza. Um, I also used an article on Healthline.com by Cian Ferguson called "Does It Hurt When Your Hymen Breaks?" All of those articles are gender neutral and very thoughtfully written. So, like those. They're like a safe space. Um, I also used lexicon.com, which is the site for the Oxford English Dictionary. Um, okay, so speaking of the dictionary, we're going to start with a couple of definitions. So hymen. A mem- there, so the Oxford English Dictionary has two definitions listed for hymen. Okay. The first one is a membrane which partially closes the opening of the vagina and whose presence is traditionally taken to be a mark of virginity. And the second is a thin sheet of tissue with one or more holes in it called called the hymen partially covers the opening of the vagina. Um, and then I also, just for shits and giggles, looked up the definition of virginity, mm-hmm. um, which is the state of never having had sexual intercourse. So... However, I like Teen Vogue's way of describing virginity. So this is a long quote, but I'm going to read the whole thing because I just really liked it. So um, I also just love the idea that like this is in a magazine written for teenagers. Yeah. Anyway, um, virginity is a concept created to talk about never having had sex. But that definition is tricky since people define sex in different ways. For many people, the idea of virginity is tied to penis and vagina intercourse. But that leaves out a whole group of people who aren't even interested in this type of sex. For others, especially those in the LGBTQ community, engaging in other types of sex, including oral sex or anal sex, would also equate to losing your virginity. All this makes the idea of virginity deeply personal. It's up to you to define it for yourself, and there is no wrong definition. Most importantly, the concept of virginity is a social construct. It is not a medical condition or anything that carries any more meaning than you assign to it, though it is often used by society as a measure of someone's worth or virtue. That's even clear in the language we use to talk about it. Quote, unquote, losing your virginity implies that something is being taken or missed. In reality, we should have agency over our sexuality. And once we have sex for the first time, we are no different than we were before. It's also critical to know that there's no medical way to prove virginity. For example, breaking a hymen can happen in many ways that have nothing to do with sex. Okay. That's a 
really good like is that like the intro that's, or is that uh yes yeah so that's one of the yeah. intros to one of those articles um and it's the one that's like losing your virginity um very well rounded and thought yes. out yes yeah it's beautifully done and it's just like it's so funny because we were having that conversation with another friend the other night about like our uh young women especially mm-hmm. like sexualized at an earlier age now than we were as children Um, And while I can see that argument, like certainly they're exposed to things, they have more, like they can access Mm -hmm. things earlier than we could thanks to the internet and like Mm -hmm. how many devices they have. Um, But I'm also like their understanding of like what their sexuality is and how to define it is so much better than it's ours. almost like access to information is helpful right. in yes. developing yourself as a person. Yes, right. Who would have thought it? And access to partial or bad information is damaging. Yes, or relying on only one source. Yes. Like your 55-year-old yeah. male health teacher in seventh grade. Um, so anyway... So one of the things that I found like really fascinating about this as I was learning about the hymen is that there, and I did not comprehend this growing up and then just like hadn't thought about it as an adult, Mm -hmm. um, is that there's no physiological explanation for the hymen's existence at all. It serves no purpose. It appears to be basically an evolutionary holdover, although it doesn't seem like it's ever done anything ever. Mm -hmm. It's just like doesn't hinder anything either. So we've never evolved out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like there's some... I saw some folks in, like, less well-written articles suggesting that maybe it, like, keeps foreign bodies, like, dirt, whatever, Hmm. out of the vagina. But that doesn't, I mean, that seems weak because, like. That doesn't make, I mean. Many people then. Yeah, like, you have to, discharge has to happen to, like, keep itself clean. Yes, well, and, like, to, you know, have your period. And, like, so many people with hymens, you know, like, they're broken or they have a large hole forever or whatever. They're penetrated. For, like, their entire lives and nothing bad happens because of so that. So, does that, like, so some people just don't have this at all? Like some I'm people s- don't have hymens okay. at all. Yes. Okay. Like, some people with vaginas don't have hymens at all. And they can all look totally different. So, there is, like, a most common version. We'll talk about it. Okay. Um, but there, I saw some really interesting illustrations about, like, what can a hymen look like. Mm. Um, so, anyway, we'll get to that. Um, so yeah, that's just, that idea, like, I, I get where they're coming from with the, like, keeping dirt or whatever out, but, like, I, it doesn't really, yeah, there's no it's, proof that that works or, sounds weak. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, well, we're hopefully in agreement that the hymen serves no purpose and certainly doesn't have anything to do with virginity, which is literally just a social construct. Um, it does exist. <laughs> and so I thought, you know, we could talk a little bit about, like, what, having a hymen is like um, to like give a deeper understanding of how it might behave. So the biggest thing to remember is that there is no hard and fast rule for how a hymen looks or behaves. There's a huge spread of what's possible. So they are, however, most often crescent-shaped, stretching around the vaginal opening mm. and generally not covering it entirely. They are usually flexible and stretchy, but will thin over time just as we move and use our bodies insert tampons, have pap smears. Um, And so it is very likely that a hymen will be, quote unquote, torn before penetrative sex ever even occurs. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything from exercise, tampon tampon use, pap smears, masturbation can cause it to be, quote unquote, broken. Um, And alternatively, a hymen can remain continually intact, 
even after penetrative sex has occurred because they can just be like, they can have a large hole and be very flexible and Mm -hmm. someone can just have a hymen intact for their entire life because nothing, theirs might be particularly like wide or stretchy. Hmm. So it just never gets broken. Um, And hymens are generally elastic and can accommodate some penetration. So like many people will still have theirs after like continued tampon use and pap smears or whatever. Some people won't. Like, there's just such a huge spread of how they can behave. Um, So Teen Vogue's article, Breaking the Hymen, lists five different types of hymen. Normal, hymen with a generally crescent-shaped opening. Cribriform, hymen with several small openings through which menstrual blood and discharge can flow. Imperforate, hymen with no opening at all. So this is, like, most people have heard of this, like, a hymen that can't be broken. And so there's, like, a hymenectomy mm-hmm. that you can have it removed um microperforate hymen with extremely small opening and septet so hymen with a thin band of tissue in the center which is interesting mm, so like, like a, instead yeah. of going around it yeah yeah <clears throat> so the breaking of the hymen is also generally depicted as painful like in mm-hmm. literature and like especially like teen movies and mm-hmm. whatever um and the reason why the first time a person with a vagina has penetrative sex they experience pain um and this is possible like you know tearing your hymen can cause pain um there are nerve endings down there obviously um But it's also possible and even common to feel nothing at all when the hymen is perforated. Um, And of course, there are plenty of other reasons that are not talked about why a person (laughs) might have discomfort during the first time they experience penetrative sex. Um, Which like this never comes up in like books or movies about why someone with a vagina might be uncomfortable. But like, you know, nerves run high during the first time you're doing anything. Mm -hmm. So you could be dealing with muscles that can't relax or there may not be enough lubrication for penetrative sex to be purely pleasurable, um, especially the first time someone experiences it. I mean, this is like, we're not in like... both partners are inexperienced. Yes, yeah, Yeah. totally. And that's like, as an adult Mm -hmm. with a vagina and a like sexual history like that's obvious to me now yeah I know now obviously if you're not like ready for sex or not in the right mindset um it probably will not be comfortable but for like folks who are having their first time Mm -hmm. they may not know this you know like they've just seen yeah movies and whatever that are like you know yep (laughs) (laughs) um the whole point of my deep dive is really just to like show that there is no one mm-hmm. like way for a hymen to behave. And so one day I'd love to get more into like basically how the hymen has been used to subjugate women for the last many, I many centuries. I want to look into why it's called the hymen because I feel like I remember seeing that about like some... It's from the Greek word for membrane. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I thought it was like some dickish male doctor. <laughs> named oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Well, that would totally make sense. Yeah. But no, it is actually from the Greek word for hy- for membrane. membrane. So it's actually okay. like a very clinical. I'm also interested to know like what the statistics are on like, like you know, like percentage wise of like what just just yes. out of curiosity. Well, so I did see I this was older from a study from like 2004, but I think it was. of sexually active teenagers. So it was like people under the age of 21, I think, still had intact hymens. So it's like they were having penetrative sex, but they still had an intact hymen. Okay, so what does that mean then if your hymen is intact? Because there's all these different shapes. So it fucking means nothing. They don't know. 
So this that percent of that statistic is well, you can garbage. see the hymen. So like, but, okay, we can't. But like at a pap smear, you can. Well, right, but. Ha- how do you know if it's intact, quote unquote, if it can be all of these different shapes? Yeah, you don't. You don't. You don't. So that statistic yes. is garbage. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, and especially, like, I think the idea is, like, you can see that the hymen is still there when you're, like, in a medical, like, when you're having okay. a pap smear. But they don't know whether that's how it's always looked. Right. That's Whether what it's I'm changed yeah. at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Okay. So, like, it doesn't mean anything it except anything. that that's how many hymens they saw like right. that's okay. it you know okay, so yeah, there's yeah. no yeah because every hymen behaves differently yeah. <laughs> and every person with a hymen has like a different lifestyle that could yeah. affect said hymen um there's just no yeah, yeah. it means okay. nothing right, right, right. it means okay. nothing and like you could just be born without one yeah okay. so like you could you know yeah no, you could be like a baby super, and have no hymen it's super interesting yeah yeah no it's fascinating and it's ho- horrifying to think about like how well, like why is it was it ever deemed important like totally. in any way yes well and it sounds like it was just like a way of like giving people an out to be like you know, oh, you weren't a virgin, so I've, I'm out. <laughs> so this marriage isn't real, yeah. and I'm just going to kick you to the curb and try yeah, again. Yes, exactly. or whatever. So um, it's fascinating. And <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's so great that, like, now kids will know. Right. But, like, even we didn't know. Like, the, this oh, yeah. was only, like, 20 years ago that I'm we should have learned. Yes, <laughs> I know. Like, and I knew, like, in the back of my head that, like, it was bullshit, but I didn't really know I, why. Yeah, I thought I remembered, like, a couple years ago it coming up and, like, being sure that I had, like, read somewhere that, like, the hymen wasn't real and it was, like, a made-up construct. Right. And then, like, looking it up and being like, oh, it is real, but... But it also made I didn't up at remember the same the time. Details. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and virginity is made up. That's oh, the sure. thing that's, like... But, yeah, there's actually an Adam Ruins Everything episode about it. And oh, really? And I think that's where I remember, because that definitely came out, I, I think, in, like, 2008 yeah. or whatever. And so I think oh I God, remember that that's hell? when I, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's when I, like, first really learned about that it, like, wasn't real. But yeah. I have no memory of anything ever happening to my hymen. Like, I don't know if I didn't have one or if I just didn't notice right. or, like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so. no. Yeah, I would say I'm in the same boat. So yeah. I'm like, wait. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, um, I wouldn't have, like, cared to notice anyway, but, like, The, the yeah. whole, like, concept of, like, losing your virginity, too, or, like, taking someone's virginity is, like... The language around it. So, yeah. I feel like there's, like, a really good meme, and I am going to, like, butcher it, but it's it's something along the lines of, as if some asshole in a... What it was like as if some ha- asshole in a Toyota Corolla could take anything special from you <laughs> yes, or something like that. Nice. Like, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, totally. Well, and these articles were also because they're obviously like geared towards young people. Yeah, and they were like, would you say, you know, like if yeah. you lost your phone, like that's you know, you wouldn't lose your virginity, like you lose your phone, right. like you, you know, you're making a decision to like do a thing. Yeah, you know, it's not anyway. Um. It's really encouraging to see mm-hmm. how young people are being taught about it today. Um, but yeah, it's fascinating. It's all bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. I well, yeah, what we've learned or I've learned in the our first season is that I really dislike the virgin trope in oh, books yeah. in general. So yeah. <laughs> we can just avoid that from now on. <laughs> it's just so hard to get right, you know? I, well, I guess like I think this came up in one of my books. Like there are people that are into it and like yeah. that's like Oh yeah. Like, well, yeah, it's like there a, are people who are into the pregnancy trope, which oh, I'm yeah. like, oh I my god, cannot. I was on the, I think it was the romance sub 
Reddit and someone mm-hmm. was looking for, they were like, I really like romance novels. I can't remember now, but it was like secret ba- secret, secret, secret pregnancy. pregnancy. I saw that one. <laughs> yes. There's some good recommendations oh, on there God. too. It's but so it's good. just like, I, yeah. I mean, anytime I'm, there's like the main couple is pregnant or I'm like, it's done. Like the romance <laughs> is over. <laughs> yeah. After you have like actually gone through pregnancy, you know, there's nothing fucking romantic. About nope. It. Although. No. I take it back because some people find being pregnant super arousing. So, you know, there's... there's no, it's like, true. There's and a like, yum for everybody's yum. It's Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, and I'm not... I don't mean to... Like, people should like what they like. Right. I, no judgment, truly. No judgment. I'm just like, nothing takes me out of the enjoyment <laughs> faster than thinking about, like, fucking dirty diapers and, like, oh God. you know blocked milk ducks and that is true yeah i will say that like i was like slightly more into getting it on while pregnant than like after yes oh totally yeah no i mean like the pregnancy itself i mean i had easy pregnancies but like that itself isn't what it's just the like knowing that now they're gonna be doing like it's all about the baby so anyway Um, all right all right so let's take a quick break all right (laughs) <laughs> your turn all right we are back <clears throat> all right i read for my holiday special duke actually by jenny holiday <laughs> oh and i just realized that her last name is holiday and it's a holiday book oh my god <laughs> that's a pen name because this that she it, just uses for holiday well books. this is the second in a series the first one is called a princess for christmas Wow, okay. So, like, maybe, maybe she actually. only writes holiday books. <laughs> wow. All right. I don't well, know. <laughs> whatever floats um, your boat. Anyway, all right. Let's read back of the book. Okay. Maximilian von Hansburg, oh Baron of Laden and heir to the Duke of Ikea, is trapped. Under pressure from his domineering father, he must marry a suitable bride before he inherits a title that feels like a prison sentence. In New York to meet a prospective wife, he ditches his responsibilities and appears on Danny Martinez's doorstep. He's been intrigued by the no-nonsense professor since he met her at the Eldovian royal wedding and is determined to befriend her. That's not even accurate. This is bad. (laughs) They're so bad. The back of books. (laughs) Newly single Danny is done with love. She even has a list entitled, Things I Will Never Do Again for a Man. (laughs) which is why she hits it off with notorious rake max he's trying to escape relationships and she's resolved to avoid them at all costs all they want from each other is friendship and a distraction from their messy lives as their bond begins to deepen so does their attraction until they end up in bed together falling in love was never part of the plan max's family doesn't see danny as a perfect match even as his heart tells him she's the one and danny isn't sure she can make it in max's world can they find the courage to live the life they desire, even if it means risking everything. Oh, my God. <laughs> the back of the book is so bad. Also, it pivots. <laughs> it was like, he came to find a bride, and then it was like, love was never in the plan. Like, what is, so what is the plan? <laughs> um, also, how many book back of books do you think have? Love was never part of the plan on them. <laughs> <laughs> like, everyone. Um, yeah, so that's, like, really, like, not accurate at all. Like, the beginning part of the book like really focuses on Danny actually like way more than Max yeah so is this like a like a Harry and Meghan fanfic is that that the vibe that's what I'm getting from from the the cover (laughs) um I mean no (laughs) 
Um, yeah. Uh, all right. I'm going to cast the book. Yes. Let's do it. All right. Is it Prince Harry and Meghan Markle? <laughs> <laughs> okay. She is half Mexican. Oh, okay. Not yeah. black. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, I had her as Gina Rodriguez, who is Jane the Virgin. Yes. Danny, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And then Max, I have Richard Madden. Oh, my God. From Rob Game of Thrones. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, I I actually think it's pretty good because he's like, not like Game of Thrones, Rob Stark. You yeah. Know, like yeah, more yeah. of like the him actually with his like cute little British accent. Mm-hmm. And like, you know. He's very handsome. Yes. He was in a remake of The Bodyguard. Really? Yeah, which I never saw. I just think it's hilarious. <laughs> oh my god! I remember watching The Bodyguard on like a VHS tape when, tape when I was like sick as a kid. <laughs> I actually never saw it, but my parents owned so the soundtrack, bad. and soundtrack, oh, the soundtrack was amazing, is phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my only memory of it. <laughs> All right. So the tropes in this one, um, I mean, there's the like royal aspect and the like Christmas aspect, but like mm-hmm. setting those aside, it's a very slow burn okay. friends to lovers um it they the back of the book hints at like reformed rake mm-hmm. but like he's not actually a rake it's all like rumors and like tabloids and stuff but like none of it is actually it. true okay so like i don't think reformed rake really actually fits but i feel okay. like they're like trying to push that on the back which mm-hmm. is not i mean it would, it would get me <laughs> I, I feel like that's maybe what Made me pick it. But yeah. um, anyway, so overall thoughts, like, yes. So good. Really? I, yeah. Um, the slow burn, like, on paper, I, like, feel like I wouldn't be into it. But it was when so it's done well. good. Yeah. And, like, it, and it, like, is, like, really just, like, they're just, like, really good friends. Like, really, like, a beautiful, like, sweet friendship yeah. where, like... Um, in the first one, so like this is the the second one. In the first one, Danny's best friend is the one that like gets together with the princess and okay. like moves and leaves. Oh, so okay. she's like alone and she's going through a divorce. So like she had like oh. lost her like best friend like support system. So like he showed up and they're like hitting it off as friends and like it's like this really sweet. I also love that. That's like yeah. kind of. It's like a, it's a woman at a different time in her life mm-hmm. than most of these books are set. Yes, yes. I will also just say Meghan Markle is divorced, so I mean, I'm not totally <laughs> off. All right. <laughs> All right. But, I don't know uh, enough yeah. about I Meghan Markle, know apparently. way too much. <laughs> um, and the, okay, so there are like so many beautiful, like almost like tension-y moments, oh. like he comes to like visit her and she's like staying at her parents' house and he's like, oh, I'll leave. And they're like, no, stay on the couch. And you're like, all right, it's happening. <laughs> and then it's like, nope, not this time. <laughs> oh, I love that though. Yeah. And then, and like, oh my God, they like really make you wait for it. <laughs> but, but, um, okay. Yeah. So, and I have to describe this, uh, <laughs> this like one moment that I think it actually like might describe like a dream date of mine now. Okay. So, like, she, so, okay, he is, I think they said it in here, um, in the back, he is from a fictional country yes. called, um, 
Eldovia, which is like kind of like Austria ish. That's where they always are. Yeah. Every time it's like a fictional white person country, mm-hmm. it's always like Northern Europe. Yep. Yeah. It's like the Princess uh, Diaries or whatever. Anyway. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So, and like the back of the book had it wrong. Like they didn't meet at the wedding. The wedding happens in the middle, towards the end of this book. Oh. Um, so, like they met because their friends are getting married, but like yeah. they already met. Way like before. in the last book, yeah, yeah. So they already knew each other. Wow, that back of book is it's not really accurate. bad. <laughs> yeah. um, but okay, so she goes to visit him. Um, okay, and they go on a hike to a private, secluded, natural hot springs, <laughs> and it starts to snow. Come on, <laughs> right? Yes, and they still don't fucking hook up. What? That's not where they do it. Are they still friends at that point? Yes. But they're alone. Yeah. What? I know it's so good um yeah so I really liked it um there is a little bit of like a like there's a bit of a drama at the end like I feel like they needed it for like narrative yeah purpose. you have so, like, to have some you have to have some and like it felt a little a little forced out of character but like I also feel like Danny is this was like her like complex character moment where like she's getting divorced she's older in her life she's yeah. lost her support system like yeah. Maybe, yeah, she would freak out about, like, losing her one friend. Like, you know, and, like, taking just, that plunge from friendship yes. to romance is, like, scary at totally. that point well, in your life. it's hard to make any decisions when you're yeah. in that kind of place. Especially yeah. big decisions. Well, and, yeah, and I think that's, like, where it's, like, a little, a little out of place for a romance. Like, it, it's, like, it seems like she's, like like, rejecting it or, it, I don't yeah. know. So, like, yeah. it felt a little out of place, but, like, on second, like think through like when I was typing up these notes yes. like I kind of loved it like yeah like and it makes sense yeah 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 um so I love that and like their characters are like so well done um Max is written as like basically the perfect romance man like mm-hmm. he's like constantly being like thoughtful and like thinking of her and like supporting her but not being over overbearing yes. And, like, she's doing the same thing for him. And, like, oh, my God, it's just, it's, like, such a sweet, perfect, happy, feel-good holiday read. (laughs) And it went super quick. Um, So, uh, all right, I'm to ratings. Okay. Um, Readability was definitely a five. Hotness I brought down to a three because it's way towards the end. end. Yeah, Yeah. and it was, like, also not not among my, like, the... The like build up and the tension was great, but the like actual hotness is like and there's only like scenes one. Or not. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, romance four because mm. you know it, it was very, mm-hmm. um, very romantic, and then yeah. overall four point five. Nice. Um, yeah. So wow. Was a, good a good easy one. Um, vibe check. Yes. Like okay, they're yeah, consent all around. Like diverse characters. Like beautiful. Yeah. And I don't think there's any content warnings. There was a little bit of, like, parental verbal abuse and, mm-hmm. like, overbearing parents. Um, I mean, she is going through a divorce, but there's nothing, like, explicit or there's no, like, yeah. domestic violence or anything like that. So kind of, like, vague um, content warnings. Yeah. Um, okay. And my favorite line. So I didn't pick, like, a spicy line because there wasn't a lot to pick. Right. Um, <laughs> so I picked this, like passage about that's like max's inner monologue that's like it's just like making him seem like such like a perfect like the guy. Person. so yeah. it's duo point of view yeah 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 
All right. Will you have backup? It wasn't that he didn't think Danny could get herself out of any corners she found herself in, but he would prefer she had support. The woman I met, Sinead, she'll have my back, yeah. Honestly, when I get tenure, if I get tenure, I'm either not going to these parties anymore or I'm going or I'm going to go wearing something outrageous and I won't watch what I say at all. Ha! <laughs> Max bit back his impulse to issue a when you get tenure correction. As they'd grown closer, he'd come to understand that the tenure system in North America was different from Europe. It meant job security and academic freedom for life. So it truly was a milestone. He'd creeped a bit on her web presence and those of her colleagues, and in his admittedly biased opinion, she was doing more interesting work than many of them. But he didn't want to seem dismissive of her, dismissive of her concerns, and he didn't have a handle on the departmental politics, so he bit his tongue. But privately, he had confidence, and if tenure meant she could start uh, swinging into parties wearing green taffeta dresses and telling everyone to fuck off, he couldn't wait. <laughs> oh my god, that's so amazing! <laughs> He was so like, sweet. I want to be say everything in support of her, but I don't actually know what I'm talking yeah. about, so I'm not going to say it. Right? That's amazing. <laughs> oh, romance. You can you can leave this one here. Okay. Gonna- <laughs> you can really take it. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to get into my deep dive, and it's going to sound a bit like it's coming out of left field, because <laughs> I haven't mentioned this yet, but in the book... Max is working on, so his, like, his thing is, like, he's, like, feels a little lost because he's, like, going to inherit this dukedom, but, like, Mm -hmm. until his dad dies, he, like, doesn't have anything to do, and, like, his dad is an asshole, so, like, he doesn't want to, like, so, anyway, so, like, part of their, like, property holdings are these, like, old mines, Oh, and so he, like, finds out that um, his grandmother had, like, used a mine to, like, smuggle, um, I think... I think they said that he was, like, she was smuggling, like, people out of, like, Nazi Germany and, like, oh, wow. okay. helping people, saving them from the Nazis. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I looked into some real stories of hiding things in mines during World War II. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, it's mostly Nazis hiding loot in mines, but it did happen. <laughs> Shit. So, um, Treasure. Treasure. Okay, so this is two true stories of hidden Nazi loot in mines in Germany and Austria. Okay. Okay, and um, part of it kind of, um, it uh, if you've seen the movie The Monuments Men or heard of it. So The Monuments Men, it was a movie, it had like Brad Pitt. I, do rem- I remember the name. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, it's based on this real life um, program. Um, so the Monuments Men were a group of men and women who made up the Monuments, Fine Arts, and Archives, or MFAA program, established by President Franklin Roosevelt in 1943 in an effort to save art and cultural property from destruction during World War II. Okay. So it, there was approximately like 350 people um, who ma- who made up this group for the U.S. Um, and so it included like just service members and then also like art historians. Um, so it's like some like older like professors and stuff who yeah. like, you know, would not be like normal enlistment age or right, whatever, right, right. but they like joined the cause to like, yeah. um, and so they did, they assisted with tracking, identifying and returning priceless pieces of art stolen by the Nazis. Okay. All right. So we're going to start with the largest Nazi treasure hoard ever found. Okay. 
So on April 4th, 1945, the American army moved toward Merkers, which is a small town located north of Frankfurt. Okay. Okay. And so in this town, local um, uh, miners who had been enslaved by the Nazis um, uh, mentioned or, you know, like let the Americans know that there was hidden treasure in the local salt mine. Mm -hmm. Um, So service members went into the mine to a depth of about 2,000 feet. Um, and they found this like elaborate vault door. Um, Whoa, like a, like a fucking Gringotts style. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so they like blew the door open with explosives, and they found insane treasure. Okay, so here's a list of what they found. Okay, eight thousand three hundred and seven gold bars, oh. fifty five boxes of gold bullion, three thousand three hundred twenty six bag of gold coins. Can I ask a question? Okay. What is gold bullion? I don't know. I'm like, do you make soup with it? (laughs) (laughs) I think it is like some kind of like super concentrated. Like, I think that's why it's called that, but I don't know. I've always wondered. (laughs) All right. 63 bags of silver. Just bags of silver. That's not a unit. Okay. Um, One bag of platinum bars, eight bags of gold rings and teeth, 3,682 bags of German currency. 80 bags of foreign currency, and 27 paintings by Rembrandt. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so the treasure was appraised by experts from the U.S. Treasury and the Bank of England. And at the time, uh, I'm not going to say. In 1945. Yeah. Today, it would be worth over 6 billion U.S. dollars. Holy shit. Gotta um, hope that the folks who were like pointed them in the right direction. No, of course yeah. they got nothing. <laughs> I don't I mean, know why I even said it. Well, okay, uh, we'll get to it a little bit. Um, okay. So where did the treasure come from? So Nazis used gold to pay for their war effort, efforts because they needed raw materials um, from other countries, and those countries wouldn't accept um, German currency, obviously. Yeah. So they got raw materials from Portugal, Turkey, Romania, Sweden, um, as well as other countries. Um, and so Nazis resorted to looting um, to get the gold. So they stole the gold reserves um, from countries they occupied. So they stole oh. the gold, re- gold reserves from Austria, Czechoslovakia, Belgium, the Netherlands. Um, they also stole from private companies and from the people they murdered. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what, like yeah. the bag of gold <clears throat> jewelry and teeth. Teeth, yeah. Um, so originally they stole, they stored the gold um, in the central bank in Berlin. Um, but once Allied forces started getting close, they moved it um, because of the concentrating bombing on Berlin. So it was moved to a quote unquote safer location. Um, so they moved it to the Merkur salt mine about 250 miles southwest of Berlin. And I think that like the thinking is that like they actually thought that it would be like there for a long time. Like they didn't think anyone would find it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so after the treasure was discovered by American forces, it was moved to Frankfurt because the town of Merkers was in a territory that would have belonged to the Soviets after the war. So they like found it and they're like, ooh, let's, get let's this out. Like, pretend it's been this other place the whole yeah, time. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, Jesus. So eventually the treasure was used to pay back central banks across Europe as part of the like okay. restitution. Um, so. Uh, and six tons of gold was paid to a relief fund for victims of the Holocaust. But I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just what could, yeah. There's Some nothing you can do that is yeah. exactly, yeah. 
Um, so the Merker's Mine is now a tourist attraction. It's called Mer- Merker's Adventure Mines. And you- <laughs> okay, but what adventure? Just adventure mines. Let's just sit with that for a minute. Like, I mean, as a geologist, a I'm all for it. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> um, wow. So you can go down to the tunnels, and there's an underground museum, which I actually think that this is what like the book thing was like based on because in the book he talks about how he he like makes like a museum out of their like abandoned mine that was in used. the book that you read yeah. oh yeah okay yeah. got it so, that's like where that idea came yeah, from um still weird i think yeah it's still weird <laughs> um so you can go down into the tunnels to see a museum you can see the room where the treasure was stole was stored um and <laughs> you can see the world's largest underground bucket wheel excavator <laughs> I mean, that's always been on my list. A simulated, a simulated blasting, and a oh. laser show in the world's largest underground concert hall. Sure, why not? Okay, and and in 1980, a crystal grotto was discovered. So you can go in and you can see it's on the website. It says enormous salt crystals, some over a thousand millimeters in length, which is <laughs> like Sorry. three feet. Yeah. One meter, like why? <laughs> That's so I funny. Mean, yeah, I, that is a really big salt crystal, but it's it like, is. Yeah, I mean, you could just say a meter. Like that sounds really big for a salt crystal. <laughs> That's so funny. Millimeters, <laughs> a million microns, right? <laughs> That actually would probably work better because that's a way, like, harder thing to comprehend. (laughs) That's so funny. All right. So the next one I'm going to talk about is um, it's the largest, like, cultural treasure trove. Oh, okay. So not just, like, money. Yeah. So the first one was money. Um, okay, so this 27 is the... Rembrandts isn't enough culture for you, apparently. (laughs) I mean, so this, yeah, Yeah. we'll get to it. Okay. Um, Okay, and this is is hard. This one is in Austria. The other one is in Germany. Um, yeah. So, okay. So, this is the Altassa salt mines. I looked up the Google pronunciation, but it's like, Altassa. Like, yeah. It's, okay. It, I, I'm butchering it, but that's okay. what I'm calling it. <laughs> um, okay, so this mine is Austria's largest active salt mine, and it is extremely old. So, it's... First mentioned in documents in 1147, and the Whoa. the source didn't say whether that was BC or not oh. because there's evidence that salt has been extracted from the sa- the mountains since the seventh century BC. I also just have to like admit that I didn't realize that people got salt from inside mines because mm-hmm. that's not how we get it here. So I there's lots of ways to get it, but yeah, I think that's like the most common way. I didn't. Yeah. Wow, I feel dumb. But that's why. <clears throat> yeah. Um so yeah, so there's evidence that salt has been extracted since the 7th century BC. That's crazy. <laughs> um so this mine opening is located under a mountain called <laughs> And it's spelled loser, but I, I'm sure it's <laughs> like Lose. Lose? Yeah. And, and there's too many Austrian names in here. Yeah. Um, in the Salzkammergut. That sounded great. <laughs> I don't know if it's right. Well, it translates to the salt domain region. Okay. So it's an Austrian region of lakes and alpine. Um, and I looked up pictures. It's like I'm sure it's gorgeous. Stunning. Yeah. Um, so, and it's near Salzburg. 
Um, so, and the Altasa salt mine, Altasa, um, <laughs> it's not far from, oh God, why did I put so many <laughs> Steinhaus, or as we in America call it, the Eagle's Nest, which was oh. like the gift to Hitler on his 50th birthday from the oh. Nazi party. It's like perched on a mountain summit um, in like the Bavarian town of Oberberstoschgarden. Sure, I butchered that too. Um, but yeah, so it's like the most picturesque version yeah. of Austria that you can think of, like alpine lakes it's just and the sound of music, flowers. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, okay, so towards the end of World War II, Nazis became interested in this region because it offered perfect hiding places for stolen treasure. Mm. So it's riddled with mines and caves, um, and the caves are also supposedly perfect for storing art because they maintain a steady temperature and moisture level. Oh. Um, so between 1943 and 1945, stolen art was accumulated here and that was, and it was intended for the Fuhrer museum that was never built, but it was supposed to be like the best art museum mm-hmm. in Europe. Um, and so, uh, the, so this art was stored there by the Nazis. Yes, and they were going to build stolen, and Hitler yeah. was going to build this like yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so March 1945, um, Allies are like closing in, and Hitler issues the Nero Decree, which um, so it's it was like an attempt to prevent Allied forces from using resources that were abandoned during retreat. So the order indicated that all military, transportation, communications, industrial, and food supply facilities be destroyed. So this did not include um, art uh, or, like, cultural things, but there's, like, some debate about, like, whether that's probably what he intended or not. Right. Um, So, and in the movie The Monuments Men, um, they use that as, like, a plot point, and they, like, say that, like, oh, he's going to destroy everything. We've got to go in there and save it, which is, like, maybe probably not actually true. Mm. Um, Not that it really matters. Um, But there is evidence that the Altasa mine was at risk of destruction and all the art stored there. Um, So there's – and there's kind of, like, two sources for information about, like, exactly what happened. Um, Supposedly, the Nazi district leader – um, interpreted this Nero degree as an order to destroy everything. So he ordered a bunch of airplane bombs into the mines. Oh. Um, however, so there's like this coalition of both local miners who wanted to save their livelihood and Nazis who just didn't think that the art should, should be, be destroyed. destroyed. Right. Um, supposedly they like worked together to like trick the um, the leader into like, not really doing it or like taking it out and like you yeah. know they're like yeah we'll take care of it and then they didn't and then they didn't yeah um but there's also um evidence that um there was a austrian local hero who was from this town um right where this mine was located he like had escaped to britain and was like working as like a spy he was airlifted in with a small team and they like infiltrated the like local stores. They like rounded up all the resistance people, and like they say that like they're the ones that actually saved the mine. Okay, so it's like maybe a combination of both. There's sure. like different sources. Yeah, but basically bombs were loaded into the mine and then like taken out, and so like it wasn't destroyed. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the the bombs were never detonated. There were small bombs that like sealed the entrance, but the mine was not destroyed. 
Wow. Um, so, and, like, the movie makes it, like, this total, like, huge, like, scary plot point of, like, oh, they're going to blow up. But, like, maybe it wasn't actually that close. But, it, mm-hmm. like, it is kind of, like, a, it's a really good story. Yeah. Um, okay. So then May 8th, 1945, Allied force, forces reached the region. Um, the entrance to the mine was open. And in a firsthand account, um, they talk about, like, what they saw when they first went through the hole created in the rubble. Um, so it's uh, Captain Robert Posey and Private First Class Lincoln Kirstein. So Kirstein wrote in his book, quote, The miraculous jewels of the crowned virgin seem to attract the light from our flickering acetylene lamps. Calm and beautiful. The, altar ple- the altarpiece was quite simply there. Um, so he's talking about um, the Adoration of the Lamb, which is one of eight panels that make up the Ghent altarpiece by Jan van Eyck, um, and considered like one of the great masterpieces. And so he, they just like walk yeah. in and it's just like right sitting there. there. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, okay. So once the mine was secured, um, re- rescue work began. Um, another member of the MFAA uh, was summoned. Um, this is like, I, I kind of like imagine him as like a little bit of like an Indiana Jones character. <laughs> yeah, or like, that totally makes sense. Like he had yeah. been working at Harvard on like um, art, like conservation, like restoration techniques. And he's like summoned by the war effort to go like pack up the yep. Nazi stolen artworks. Sexy yeah. professor saves the day. Right. Um <laughs> So, yeah, and so, like, he had been, he had been um, working, like, across Europe, um, like, moving back and forth, like, often in, like, pretty forward areas, like, already mm-hmm. trying to, like, save pieces and, like, cultural, like, churches and museums yeah. and yeah. stuff. Um, so, okay. Uh, and when they opened the mine, they found Nazi records that showed the contents of the mine. So, apparently, 6,577 paintings. <gasps> 2,300 drawings or watercolors, 954 prints, 137 pieces of sculpture, 129 pieces of arms and armor, 79 baskets of objects, 484 cases of objects thought to be archives, 78 pieces of furniture, 122 tapestries, and then 1,200 to 1,700 cases of books. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um... So this was also an area that was, uh, I think it ended up not being, but they thought it was going to be in Soviet control after the war too. So like, this is part of the Monuments Men movie as well. They like racing against the clock Mm -hmm. to like pack up as much as they can and like transport it out. And so they were like, they didn't have enough people and they didn't have enough packing materials. Apparently they were working from 4am to 10pm. I mean, that's so much. That's so much. Yeah. Like, um, and art is, like, fucking huge mm-hmm. often, you know? Like, it's not, I mean, often they're, the like, smaller altar, than you the think, altar but piece altar pieces are like huge. meant to be, like, the whole yeah. section of a church. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, I mean, just the giant. thought of trying to pack all that out in, like, hours rather than uh, weeks Apparently, he, this guy, Stout, like, rode the truck with the Ghent altar piece. Yeah. Like, and yeah. there's another, like, the, I didn't write it down. There was some other, like, high... Um, high profile pieces in there too. I think but. I remember that piece actually. I should dig. I have my art history textbook downstairs. <laughs> um, yeah, that's so it's wild. Because I yeah. vaguely remember that backstory. Like, yeah, of it being. It's anyway. such a good story too. Of like, yeah. I mean, and like, 
out of all the like war stories out there, you know, like you love a, a piece about like culture and yeah. yeah. So, um, and then there is, uh, I didn't include this all in my notes. The pieces went to like a central, um, location, um, central art collecting point. And apparently there were like tons of them throughout the, or like several, I should say not tons. Um, yeah. and they, so they would put piece, they would like give pieces back. So if they could like identify an art piece, they would send it back to the country of origin. Where it came from, yeah. But then it would be like that country's government's responsibility for like trying to get it to whoever it maybe belonged right. to. But like records were not great. Yeah. Um, but, it, but there are um, recent efforts of like lots of um, kind of like high profile museums have like gone through their collections to see if there's any like. <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the you know, if there's like a gap in time around World War Two of like ownership questionability, it's like Yeah. Ah. Maybe so, we should look into that a little more. I mean there's a lot there's like a whole other story yeah. there about like where pieces should be. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. which is like generally not in museums. Um <laughs> and instead in the countries that they came from originally. But um yeah. that's a fascinating story. Yeah. I can't imagine being like going into a space like that and just seeing like art, like the most like precious, amazing mm-hmm. art just like piled up in a cave. Just sitting. Yeah. I think they said it was like sitting on like crates. Yeah. It was just like sitting there. Just like, because you know, this, yeah, they, yeah, they were like, Oh, get it ready to like transport. Cause you know, yeah. we're like losing this region. And then they're like, Oh wait, we're too all, late. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. wild. And like the whole that whole mine was almost blown up by a giant bomb and all that stuff would have been lost. So it's like library of Alexandria. I mean, there's so many. Yeah. yeah but yeah. that's awesome that that was all saved, man. Tra- it's also a major treasure. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> like everything, every story about world war two, but yeah. Um, anyway. wow. That's all Good job. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. That was our Christmas special. Wow, I yes. didn't think I was going to talk about Nazis on a Christmas special. I know, really. God, I wasn't quite prepared for that. But um, uh, that was super fun. Yeah. And we will see you all back in a few weeks yeah, for season a, two. Have a good holiday. Happy New Year. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.